0: Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week we're joined by our teaching pastor, Ian Simpkins, as we continue our series, Your Way Back. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us at the Yellow Box on Sundays at 9.30am,
1: 11.15am, and 5pm. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning everyone. How are you? It is so very good to be with you. I'm thrilled that you're here. Labor Day weekend, by the way. So you guys are the rock stars. Way to go. And now we can all wear white shoes or white pants or we can't or we should. White fedoras. I don't actually understand the rules. Wear white or don't wear white. That's fine with me. Uh, We're in week two of our My Way Back series. And uh, I I told some of you that a few years ago uh, I spent some time in India. And that was a life-changing experience for me. But there was a proverb that someone told me while I was there that has stuck with me throughout the years, and it goes something like this. Tell me a fact, and I'll learn it. Tell me a truth, and I'll believe it. But tell me a story, and it will live in my heart forever. Isn't that beautiful? Stories have a, a pretty profound way of sort of gripping our hearts, staying with us Longer than most anything else. In fact, I imagine when you go home, perhaps for a family reunion, you likely don't spend the bulk of your time talking about facts and data and statistics. Maybe some of it, but my guess is that the vast majority of us, when we go home, what do we do? When we gather with friends and family, what do we do instinctually? We share stories. Some are heroic, some are embarrassing, some you wish would never be told ever again. I have a few of those. But when we gather, there's something powerful to stories. Stories stay with us. And so for this series, we're actually doing something a little bit different. We're hearing from various campus pastors around Chicagoland who are sharing their story. Last week, we heard from Obi and Eric. And today, we're going to hear from our Plainfield campus pastor, John, who are celebrating today for the very first time in their new building. So take a look at John's story. I was probably... maybe five years old and the routine in
2: in our home was that it was my mom who would uh, put us to bed at night and uh, kind of the the bedtime routine and I don't know I I, I was scared of lots of things four or five years old I was scared of the dark scared of the you know monster under the bed kind of thing and I remember one night in particular and again I, I had to be five years old and I asked her a question and I said mom what happens to a person after they die? I don't know if you guys thought about that stuff when you were five years old, but that was on. No. I didn't. No, I was I was I was yeah. Hot Wheels, <laughs> yeah, Hot right. Wheels, yeah. 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 And I think I wanted to know because, uh, thinking back on my childhood, there wasn't really a whole lot of spiritual components to it. Uh, we didn't go to church. I don't remember ever owning a Bible. We didn't pray. Uh, we, didn't, we didn't really talk about God. And so I think, you know, even at five, there was something in me that was like, okay, what, what happens? And I'll never forget my mom's answer because it's kind of etched in my memory and it's kind of haunted me a little bit through my childhood. She said, well, when a person dies, if they know Jesus, they'll get to be with him in heaven forever. But if they don't know Jesus when they die, then they just, and maybe she made this up, I don't know, they just don't exist anymore. And that kind of stuck with me through through my childhood. And in fact, so much so that uh, when I was about eight or nine years old, um, all my friends went to church. I never got to go to church. I, I actually rode my bike to a church without my parents' knowledge. And I, I just wanted to experience it, like, who is this Jesus? And and I don't remember anything about the service, but I, I remember two prayer cards that were were in the back of the pew, yeah. and, I, and I just took those. And really, all through my childhood, they'd be by my bedside, and I would like read this prayer because I wanted to know Jesus. they're stolen prayer cards. Yeah, they're stolen. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I don't know if I was supposed to take them or not. That's But <laughs> cool. I did. And uh, you know, I almost I had those things committed to memory. Uh, my prayer life really kind of picked up steam in, in college because. I went to the University of Iowa. about 200 miles from home. So, you know, my, my family's not around me. I didn't know any classmates who went. I didn't really have any friends my whole freshman year. Uh, I had some challenges with my roommates, like maybe all freshmen. I mean, I'm like overwhelmed with the newness, the studies, and, you know, how to make all that work. And then on top of that... Um, I started to get sick, maybe stress level kind of thing. You just body kind of wears down. So every night during uh, my freshman year of college, I I was praying for my health. I was praying for friends. And and I was even praying, like, God, like, I'm so lonely. Like, I pray that you, like, bring a girl that, you know, I could fall in love with and and marry. And uh, nothing happened, you know, overnight. It wasn't until my, my sophomore year. Uh, that's actually when I met Amy, who I end up marrying uh, later on. I met her actually in a, in a singing group. I joined it. It was like a local kind of campus Christian thing. And if, and if I kind of just go a little fast forward, to like to it was like a senior year, and this is where things really picked up spiritually. Amy's mom uh, lived nearby, and they kind of grew up with a traditional kind of church thing. Um, I don't think any of them would have said they had a relationship with God. But there was one day in particular that her mom showed up, we were having lunch, and she was just different. Like she, she just had like a smile hmm. uh, about her. There, were, there was like a new kind of joy, a new skip in her step. And, and so she said, well, I, I found this Christian church and, and in, in her own way. She didn't use these words, but she found her way back to God. And she was talking about her relationship with Jesus. She was talking about how she was reading the Bible and it made sense. And we, we started going to a church in, in our neighborhood and it was interesting it was one day in particular that the the pastor ended the the service with what you would consider an altar call we don't really do those all that often you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so we're uh he asks everybody to close their eyes you know and and you know if you're ready to say yes to jesus if you know that you need jesus in your life then go ahead and raise your hand yeah raise your (laughs) hand kind of thing right Well, I raise my hand and I'm holding my wife's hand. So, you know, both our hands go up in the air. Amy's like, "Amy, you need this, too. That's right. You know, so and it was at that point then that we really wanted to take our faith seriously. Because now I believed, but I want to, okay, what is it that I'm really believing and how do I have this relationship? We were out to dinner uh in naperville at lou malnati's you guys been you like lou malnati's oh, yeah. Love of it. course <laughs> Love best it. Pizza.
0: Great pizza way right. better than giardino
2: one of the best pizzas <laughs> one of yeah <laughs> we, we think it's it's great and we were at, at lou malnati's and the place the restaurant's like closing down our friends have been asking us all night uh that we were with about certain spiritual things and amy and i were like brand new christians we're like novices we don't even know a whole lot but we did the best we could to answer their questions and then uh, just as the restaurant's closing up, there's like a guy sitting over, you know, a few tables over, and he gets up, and I expect him to like walk out the door, but instead he's walking over to our table. And he looks at, at my friends, and he looks at us, and, he's, and then he looks back at them, and he's like, hey, I just want you guys to know that your friends here, what they shared with you is true. Uh, long story short, he ends up inviting us to, to be a part of Community Christian Church. Mm-hmm. And the very next Sunday, we showed up, and... It's really at at, at Community that we learned what it means to become a follower of Jesus, not just a believer in Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, we got invited to be a part of a small group. We learned how to read our Bible. We learned how to, you know, have a prayer life, to have a relationship. Amy and I later then make a decision to be baptized. You know, we learned all about that. And, you know, the story comes full circle because it was my my parents, both my mom and my dad, who start attending uh, Community with us. And my mom got involved in a small group and uh, it was the ladies in her small group coupled with Amy and I who, you know, we were in, we had the opportunity to kind of lead her into a relationship uh, with Jesus and she had been diagnosed with cancer and she knew she didn't have long. But her faith was real, and she asked us if we would baptize her. And I just still remember the day that I got to baptize my mom, and I got to baptize my dad as well. That's he made awesome. that. That's, that's very cool. cool. Yeah, he made yeah. that decision. And just shortly before my mom, you know, passed away, um, I asked her, I said, so, hey, Mom, you know, what, what's God saying to you? You know, how are you, how, what's your relationship like? And she just kind of looked right at me, and she said, he says, Jesus, he says that I get to be with him. I get to be with him. (laughs) And uh, that goes right back to that, one of those first memories, you know, what happens when you die? Well, if you believe in Jesus, you get to be, you get to be with him.
1: I love that story. If you were here last week, we talked about the components of a My Way Back story, and hopefully you heard it there. It's pretty simple. It's what was my life like before I met Jesus? How did I meet Jesus? And how's my life different? What was it like before I actually followed Jesus? I made him a serious part of my life. How, how did you meet him? Maybe a friend invited you to church. Maybe you had a, a rough experience that brought you before him. And then how is your life different? How do you see people differently as a result of being a Christ follower? Every single one of us has a story. Every single person in this room, scars and all, you have a story to tell. Now, you, you might have guessed that simply having a story isn't enough, though. We, we need to actually speak it. We need to share it. So, to get some help in unpacking that idea, we're going to turn to Romans 10. Now, the people of Israel, uh, you have to keep in mind, have um, waited for centuries for this coming Messiah that would set them free. That would bring fulfillment to all they had ever hoped and dreamt. They have been under oppressive empires. They have at many times been carried off into captivity and they pray and they wait and they wait and they wait. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 10 declares that the wait is over. This is what he says. So if you believe deep in your heart that God raised Jesus from the pit of death, and if you voice your allegiance by confessing the truth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. He says, The wait is over. This Messiah that we've been talking about, it's him. But this good news gets even better. Listen to verse 13 here. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I did a little bit of uh, research into the Greek and you know what this word everyone means? Yeah, shocker. Everyone. It means everyone but then there's a three letter word that kind of stops us in our tracks and it's this word but. And that's a big butt. In fact, turn, turn to your neighbor and say, that's a big but. <laughs> it's okay. It's church. We're fine. But what? What is Paul warning us about here that could keep people from finding their way back to God? Let's read the rest of the verse. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And here's the question for all of us this morning. How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? It's a humbling question, isn't it? How can they believe in him if they haven't heard? And how do they hear unless someone actually tells them? We all have this story And there's this potential power that's waiting to be released, but it it never is fully unlocked until we actually tell the story. It's, It's kind of like this. Who's familiar with the concept of potential energy? Anyone? Liars. I just made it up. I'm just kidding. It's an actual thing. Potential energy is essentially this. It's the energy that's stored in an object at rest. It has the potential... To be used in a powerful way. I think maybe the best example is the example of a roller coaster. Any roller coaster lovers in the house? Yeah, you, you remember that that terrifying, creeping moment, especially if you've sat in the front as you're like, clink, 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 climbing that terrifying hill, and as you round the hill and you question your life choices, like, why am I here? Why do I do this to myself? as it begins to round the top of that terrifying mountain and you wet your pants just a little bit, um, that is when the roller coaster is full of potential energy. But the thrill doesn't really kick in until the potential energy is released and you come screaming over that hill. Think about your My Way Back story as a story that's packed with potential energy, but it really only releases that power when it's shared. You have a story to tell. Don't let shame, fear, or doubt con you into silence. Every person in this room has a story to tell. In fact, do you know what I found? Often the most painful part of our story is the most life-giving part of someone else's. Anyone found that to be true? Sometimes the seasons, the stories that we don't ever want to see the light of day can be the most life-giving to someone else. Years ago, I saw a, a video from a guy named Penn of Penn & Teller. Anyone know who that is? He's a magician and an entertainer, and he has a show, uh, the title of which I can't say here. Um, and uh, years ago, he made this uh, webcast, this short video about someone who came up to him after a show and uh, gave him a Bible. And there's an excerpt from that video uh, that I wanna read that was... Um, It was really profound for me when I read it. And this is what he he says. I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. And that's essentially telling your story. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell. And you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. How much do you have to hate someone to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Now Penn's an atheist, he's a pretty outspoken atheist, but here's what he's saying. I actually don't respect people that don't share their story. Often the assumption is that that was what he would hope people would stop doing. But he's saying if if you believe this to be true, if you believe this to be one of the basic tenets of your faith, how much do you have to hate someone to not tell them that everlasting life is possible? Your story is full of potential energy. It's packed with possibilities. But that power is only released when our story is shared. And, and you don't know, your life might, might change someone else's life forever, which is exactly what happened with our Lincoln Square campus pastor, Jesse. Take a look. I uh, was raised by a single mom. Um, we
0: didn't do the church thing. She worked really hard. I mean, three jobs at a time trying to provide and make sure that I had a a good life. My extended family, my cousins and my aunts and uncles, they all did the church things. And I I would go with them every once in a while. I guess probably right around the beginning of adolescence, 12 and 13, um, for whatever reason. uh, And I could probably list a laundry list of reasons, I guess. But I I decided I hated God. I despised him, believed in him and despised him. And um, it, it, I really began this very dark period of my life where um, I, I was a bully. <laughs> I would, uh, uh, you know, I'd see Christians in the hallway and beat them up or uh, knock Bibles out of their hands. Wow. I was just angry. I was angry with God and for some reason, Christians in my mind, they, they were like the, the physical representation of God. Probably about that same time, um, I, I began to drink really heavily. I began mm-hmm. to use drugs really heavily. I actually started dealing drugs probably about uh, 15 years old. I got my first job at a Dairy Queen. I started dealing drugs uh, there at the Dairy Queen.
2: Like um, the drive-thru or
0: through something? The, through the drive-thru. <laughs> so I, I dealt drugs to all my co-workers. Drive-thru drugs? Gave them a discount and they didn't rat me out. And um, I did that for, for probably just over a year. Wow. And uh, it was it was sometime in, in this period of time that uh, my best friend at the time, his name was Jimmy, um, he had a crush on this girl in our high school, and she told him that she would not date him unless he went to her church. Like, like any good wingman does, I agreed um, to go to church with Jimmy and, yeah. and his future girlfriend, I guess. So I went to church, and I spent time with this youth group, um, and I hated every minute of it. They were super weird. I just felt so uncomfortable there, so I, I stopped going. But this youth group kept pursuing me like they kept chasing me down they'd see me in the hallway and they'd come and talk uh, to me and i was like listen you misunderstand what we're doing here i'm not i'm not one of you i beat up Christians. yeah (laughs) i'm just that's everything i can not to beat you up right now it got so bad that finally they uh, were inviting me to this like weekend retreat that their youth group did together at some like wilderness camp and they just wouldn't stop and i finally i'm like oh i just i don't have the money i can't do it and they came back and oh well we got somebody to pay for it and i'm like oh all right right. so now what do i do (laughs) Uh, and I finally said, listen, I'll make you a deal. I will go with you to this camp if you promise that you will never ask me to ever do anything else with your church again. And they, like, kind of huddled up and came back to me, and they said, "They said, like, all right, like, that's, that's a deal. If you come to the camp, we'll never ask you to do anything else with our church again. So I went to the camp, and um, I was super uncomfortable. I, I pull up, and it's almost every horror movie idea i had about a wilderness camp because i got there late so it was dark and couldn't see oh. anything and it was like these nasty cabins with bugs in them and stuff and i went to put my stuff in there and i see this guy i know from school and he he was in a band uh and i was in a band and we were friends with each other like our our bands were friendly friends with each other and i'm like dude how how did they get you here like, how did they con you into coming to this thing? And, <laughs> He was like, oh, I'm, I'm a, I, this is my church, I'm a Christian. And I'm like, no, you're, yeah. you're not a Christian, yeah. I've never seen you there. And he's like, well, I don't go super regularly, but it's, it's my church, I'm a Christian, this is what I do. That kind of started this conversation that lasted all night long. Um, we didn't go to sleep, we stayed up till probably four thirty in the morning. And I just kept telling him every reason why I, I, I hated God, I, I hated Christians. And, and every time he would just listen. And he, when he had something to say, he would answer. And other times he would just say, wow, I've never really thought about that before. But he never really, he wasn't arguing with me. He wasn't trying to tell me I was wrong or kind of disprove anything. He was just having a conversation with me. Probably about 4, 30, or 5 o'clock in the morning, he, he fell asleep. And uh, the, like the one thing I had to do, like the one rule is I had to bring a Bible with me. And I remember that my grandma had given me like some like thousand-year-old King James Bible when I was a little kid, and I had taken that with me to, um, to this camp. And I went outside and sat by the campfire with this Bible, and I just opened it up. And I, 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 I'm pretty sure it was the Gospel of John. And I started reading it, and it was like, for the first time in my life, I understood the words. It was like my whole life I had been reading the Bible or seeing life or experiencing the things of God through like a haze or or a film. And I couldn't actually see it. And in this moment, I'm sitting at this campfire and I I could see it. And maybe even more importantly, I could feel it. And I knew by that campfire that there was a God who loved me Mm even though i hated him and that that kind of led me to this moment of like i've got to change everything <laughs> like i am so far from god nothing is right um and that's what i did i, I uh, started talking to the youth pastor i asked him if if i could just come over to his office every day after school um, because i know if i didn't do that i would be doing the other things that i needed to not do probably three months after this experience i decided to get baptized and um I don't know. I, I, I can't explain it. I mean, my, my life was just radically different. The change was so quick that even in my senior year, I was voted the um, the, the Bible president, the Bible club president in my senior year of high school. Wow. And I'm standing at my locker my senior year, and someone comes up to me and tries to buy drugs off me at my locker. And I'm like, no, I'm a, I don't do that. I'm a Christian now. And they were like, they got mad at me because they thought I was making fun of them. And I'm like, no, really, I don't do this anymore so and if you fast forward to now i'm a pastor you know i have a a wife who is an incredible follower of jesus that just tries to keep me along uh i have three kids and i would be lying if i said that a christ following life has been easy but the one thing that's different in from from now to all the way back then is that i know now that like i have this incredible god who was in step with me all along, every single step of my path, the stupid decisions I make or the great decisions I make, he's still with me. He's still there. He's still embracing me there. While that was true back then, I refused to believe it or experience it. And I experience it and believe it now. I know that God is with me now. Come on.
1: Regardless of what story brought you here this morning, whatever past you think disqualifies you, maybe even how you're feeling in this very moment, you have a story to tell. Last week, we challenged everyone to actually compose your story. We had these cards, which are available in the seats in front of you this week as well. And if you haven't, I would challenge you to actually Write it out Even if you think oh, I already know my story Well enough as it is there's, there's something profound In actually writing it out Seeing it written out And then And then we're gonna move today though To what might be Even more uncomfortable Not just composing your story But sharing your story So we got just A couple of Specific challenges One uh, Share your story With other Christ followers Some of you Maybe you've never actually Shared your story At all With anyone And that's A terrifying thought I would challenge you this week in your small group, with your family, over coffee. Find another Christ follower and ask them, can I, can I tell you my story? And if you're not in small group, let me implore you, get in one. It will change your life. Sherry mentioned the text that you can send, SG info 313131. It is so worth it. And find someone to share your story with. But we can't stop there. Challenge number two is this, to share your story with someone on your Show Up Sunday list. At the bottom of this card, we're challenging everyone to write down the names of five people. Five people that you're going to audibly invite to Show Up Sunday. It's a, uh, a day every fall where we invite and challenge everyone to invite friends and family to celebrate with us here September 18th. It's going to be a blast I would challenge you to pray this prayer, to ask God to give you opportunities to share your story with someone on that list. Whatever that looks like. Those opportunities may catch you off guard. It may not look like what you thought it would look like. But I believe that God will give you those opportunities. He will give you the words. He will show you what that looks like because we have to remember what Paul wrote in Romans 10. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Why not you? Why not us? Is every person you tell going to find their way back to God? but you have no idea the impact that your story might have because tell me a fact, I'll learn it. Tell me a truth, I'll believe it, but tell me a story and it will live in my heart forever. Let's pray. God, thank you for giving us stories to tell, for inviting us to join you in this beautiful work of redemption thankful for every story in this room, scars, warts, and all. Give us your eyes to see how you want to redeem our stories. Give us courage and boldness to actually open our mouths and tell our stories so that you may be glorified and that others may find their way back to you. We thank you. We love you. And we pray all these things in your beautiful name.